friends and money Dead, get me out of this Welcome, everyone. Episode 77 of the Matt Jones podcast, the eighth since we started back in the uh, uh, since we started back after the break. And I'm now joined with one of my good friends and probably the expert on college football, certainly in the South, but maybe in America, Paul Feinbaum. Paul, how are you doing? Matt, I'm doing great, and I appreciate uh, the invitation. Uh, I've done a lot of podcasts in my time, but never, never one uh, that has a reputation of this one. <laughs> See, that's there. You go. I mean, I don't even know what that means, but it can well, yeah, mean well, whatever you want. You know. Well, you well usually the line uh, the line is you, you're introduced at some quarterback club in Nowheresville, Alabama, and you say, "Well, you know, thanks for the introduction. Uh, it's uh, it's not the best." It certainly, uh, it may not be the best introduction I've ever had, but it's the most recent. <laughs> well, you know, that's a very Alabama phenomenon, like quarterback clubs. Like, we don't oh, yeah. have that in Kentucky. How many of those exist where people just get together and talk about football? Oh, it's amazing. I, when I was, you know, starting out, I mean, it was a big deal to get to go to one uh, to, be, to, to speak because, I mean, they would pay you uh, $250 or something and – uh, you know, but, but, you know, depending on where you went and I, uh, you know, you can go into Selma, Alabama or, uh, Gadsden, Alabama and, uh, early in my career, Matt, it, uh, it was like you going over to, uh, Mitch McConnell's house without an invitation. <laughs> well, people, you know, now you're like Mr. Beloved SEC network guy, but there was a time when you started doing radio, you were a really controversial figure in Alabama, weren't you? Yeah, as a reporter, I, I, I did some pretty uh, you know, controversial things about uh, Paul Bryant before, uh, his last year before he retired. And then I became a columnist because the newspaper uh, literally decided uh, they couldn't afford any more libel suits. So uh, they'd hide behind uh, Times versus Sullivan. And uh, yeah, I was, uh, I was hated uh, pretty badly. Death threats uh, galore and uh, taking on the establishment. And uh, it, it was a fairly rough beginning. I don't regret it. It, it, it definitely uh, conditioned me for everything that would follow. But yeah, if you go back uh, 30, 35 years in Alabama, I, I was not the, uh, the good old boy that I am now. Well, I've said this many times. <clears throat> I sort of based the Kentucky sports radio radio side completely on yours. I mean, I watched what you did there in terms of taking – stations and putting them everywhere and focusing on something people are really interested in and creating this community. The difference between me and you is I kind of root for my team, whereas you were, I don't want to say neutral, but you were more sort of unbiased. But the idea of creating this network, are you surprised, Paul, that there aren't more people that have done it? I mean, I'm sure there are some that I don't know, but it seems like in places like Alabama and Kentucky, Shouldn't everybody do this? I mean, or is there no one else like Alabama and Kentucky? Well, I, I think in fairness, uh, a lot of people have tried it. Um, and, and you know this, having been very successful. It's, it's just not the easiest thing to do. Um, and, you know, it, it does take a lot of perseverance. Uh, it, it takes being there a lot. Um, and I think in the end, uh, there, you know, radio has shrunk while other mediums have expanded, such as podcasting. And, and I think while a lot of people have tried it, uh, you know, it's just a very difficult thing to do. I mean, even, even our program, uh, we had a hard time expanding. It took a long time to do it. 
Um, you're still dealing with radio companies, Matt, that we both know and love. Uh, and uh, they're difficult. Uh, so, yeah, I, I do think uh, it's unique, though. I mean, in Birmingham, uh, it's, you know, there, there used to be a bunch of sports stations. Now there's essentially one that matters. And you know the drill in Kentucky as well. But uh, uh, usually fans just start gravitating to one or two, and that's it. You, you know, radio to me, you tell me if you disagree. I mean, I consider podcasts a form of radio. You just don't have to take commercials. But uh, radio to me is A, the hardest medium. Like to me, you have to have the most talent to do that, which is weird to folks. But television, you need, I mean, it's a different skill set. Like you can be good on television and not good on radio and vice versa. But like radio to me is harder. But it's also more intimate with the listener. I think people know you better if you do radio. You've now done a bunch of both. What do you think? Uh, I don't think there's any doubt. Um, I mean, I've done it all and you know, started as a newspaper reporter, as you know. And, and I think in some ways, uh, radio is the most challenging because you are, you are out there on an island, uh, whether for two hours or three hours or in our case, four hours. And there are some pretty bad days in radio where, uh, I mean, forget where we are today. I mean, you go back 10 years, just take a spot in the middle of June, and there may not be anything going on, uh, depending on where you live. In Kentucky, uh, that's a pretty active month. In Alabama, it's not. Uh, and, and you start throwing out topics, and you, and you literally start to wonder, is there one person listening? <laughs> and, <laughs> and I've been there before, and, uh, you know, you, you – there are, there are a lot of tricks to that, but yeah, I, I think you have to be conversant on a lot of topics. Um, I think you have to be willing to, to listen. Um, and, and, and I'm different than a lot of radio hosts, as you know, I'm, I'm not a, I don't come on like a cowherd or others, uh, you know, with a lot of, you know, compelling takes. So I admire those guys who do. Um, but, I don't. Uh, I'm, I've always been uh, one that wants to listen to what people have to say, and I get a lot of criticism for that. Uh, there's more to it than just turning on the switch, but but I really do enjoy the conversation with, with fans. Yeah, you do four hours, and having hosted that a number of times, four hours is a long time, and it's especially a long time. I mean, you mentioned June, July. That's usually when you all would have me host, and there was oftentimes yeah. there was nothing going on, and you just try to do the best you can. But – it, four hours is a long time, Paul, and you're doing it multiple day, every day of the week. I mean, do you ever just sort of come back from break and like, all right, I don't know what to say, and you just sort of go and, – and you also do it by yourself. I, I hate doing radio by myself. At some point at 20 hours a week, are you ever just like, all right, I've said all there is to say? Yeah, I mean, there, there are a lot of days, especially lately, um, where uh, you know, now that I'm working from home, uh, I mean, I'll, I will literally walk out in the hallway and start to talk to yourself and say, calm down, don't lose, don't lose your cool. Because, I mean, they're, they're pretty volatile conversations going on. And, you know, I, you, you have to be in check because uh, I'm usually most vulnerable early in the show. I don't know why. I just tend to get crankier. Usually it's the opposite. Um, but I, it's just like kind of you kind of get into a rhythm. And, 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 I, and, I, and television does that to you, though. Radio, I, I did a, a for a, for about eight or nine weeks during the pandemic, uh, I did we, did we did radio on television, and I loved it. I mean, I just sit, kick back and was more relaxed than I've been. But once you get in front of a camera and lights and and all and the producers in your ear, Matt, as you well know, it, it, it does change your disposition a little bit. 
Yeah. Well, let's talk about the show you've been doing for the last three months. You know, I sort of, with the KSR audience, folks know I'm going to talk about whatever happens. Like, I'm going to talk about, you know, news, politics. I'm just going to. And some people don't like that, but I've already sort of established that's what I do. But you, you're in a different situation. You've got the SEC. You can't do that as much. How have you navigated these three months when there are heavy topics where people have passionate views even in the last two weeks, how do you navigate that and still sort of keep it as close to sports as the bosses probably want you to? Yeah, I would say the first two weeks of, of, of this, you know, going back to uh, when the SEC and the NCAA tournaments were canceled now were some of the most difficult times I've ever had because I felt like I knew where I wanted to take the show. I felt like we had to, we had to follow the news. We had to follow the, the, uh, the uncertainty. But being on a, a sports channel, ESPN, you, you were getting, you know, there was some, well, are you sure this is where you want to go? Don't you think we ought to sit around and do, uh, do model brackets? And I said, <laughs> no, I, I really don't. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, at the moment, I mean, I, I mean, it was like, I mean, things were so bad early on. I mean, I, you know, you had to wonder whether the world was coming to an end. Um, so I finally got buy-in uh, primarily from our, our, our crew. Uh, who were mainly television producers and suddenly doing a radio show. And secondly, uh, the audience, the audience didn't, you know, you know, they wanted to come in and talk about, uh, you know, coronavirus is, you know, the common cold and, you know, I'll do what I want. And, and finally, I just kind of let that take off. I, 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 I had an old editor, uh, my first editor in the newspaper business called me about a week into it. And he says, uh, you want to hear it? Would you like some advice from, your old boss, I said, yeah. He said, first of all, quit being so cranky. <laughs> you know, I, you know, quit, you know, whatever, whatever's going on, just, just remember you're, you're the host of a show and the audience depends on you and keep politics out of it. And I, I used that for, for quite a while, Matt. Um, and I, I, I tried to, you know, if somebody wanted to go off on some tangent that he had seen on some website, uh, that this was all a, this was all a hoax, and it was uh, the, you know the Bill Gates was propagating it. Fine, let him talk. If you if you wanted to go the other route, fine. And then finally that changed, and then it became: Is college football going to happen? And then and most every guest started doing that. We started getting commissioners on and coach coaches on, and uh, I mean we had a real really the first four or five weeks we had some amazing guests, including Cal came on and just let it rip. Uh, we talk, we did the same thing you, you do every day. You talked about what people are going through. And then the, the last two weeks have been, uh, unlike anything I've ever experienced, you know, in the aftermath of, of, of the George Floyd murder. Um, it's like the, it's like COVID never existed. And, and, and we are back uh, on the front line of a, of a conversation that I've had many times, but has never seemed as serious. It's interesting. You know, I, I, I take up for your audience with folks sometimes having hosted, you know, a dozen times. Everybody kind of thinks that you guys just have a bunch of people that are just crackpots yelling and screaming. But I've had one day I sat in your chair and an hour before I sat down, the story about the assistant coach at Ohio State and the domestic violence uh, thing came out an hour before. And I had to navigate that for four hours. And I found your audience unbelievably able to do that and not say dumb things. I was worried it was going to go completely off the rails. And I really gained like a new respect for your audience then. I'm sure you've had those moments too. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and some of that in, you know, I say this uh, 
as, as gracefully as I can. I mean, you know, there are days when there are a lot of people out there. Uh, you know, television will do that. Um, you never know who's going to accidentally bump into the SEC, and, and, but radio in particular. I mean, we, there's so many vehicles to hear us on, but, you know, the biggest being uh, not only ESPN, uh, but Sirius XM. So, yeah, I mean, we get a lot of people that uh, they just happen, you know, we're right next to uh, the ESPN channel on, on the Sirius dial. So we, we get a lot of people just flipping around, and and I think that accounts for that. But, yeah, you still – you still have to deal with, I mean, and, and you know, the hardest part for me, and it, it's a, it's a plus and minus is our audience is so big in Alabama that you have to, you have to be aware, as I'm sure you found out in the middle of the summer, this show does not you know, revolve only around uh, bur- the, the axis of Birmingham and Tuscaloosa. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think our audience is, is very, is very broad and diverse and, and occasionally, uh, you know, they'll, they'll be willing to, they'll be willing to listen to, to somebody else's opinion. Not often though. So do you miss getting to do the old Paul Feinbaum show, which is like, just let people come and scream at each other. And like, you don't do as much of that. You've got to like have the coaches on. And I'm sure the SEC in some ways wants to keep you in a more straight and narrow path. Do you ever miss the old days or is the no. check so big, Paul, that it doesn't matter. You're like, I got to no, do Matt. it. It's great. I just can't believe that you of all people would, would suggest that there's interference with this show. Um, <laughs> I mean, Hey, I, I, you know, I've got a free Matt Jones uh, sweatshirt too. Don't, don't misunderstand me. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, listen, I, I mean, I, I, I love working at ESPN um, because it does open the door to so many things that were not previously there. Um, and it is great to have coaches from all over the country on, uh, in any sport, but yeah, I mean, there's, uh, there's something to be said about the way it used to be, but I, I'm not, I'm not one that, uh, uh, I'm not a romantic about the show from 10 or 15 years ago. I really, uh, I really like where it is. I know that sounds like a company answer. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's no question that, uh, you, you balance, uh, you balance what you sign up for, uh, you know. I saw, I, you know, it's not like uh, anybody made me do this job. Yeah. Well, I remember one day I was hosting for you all and they said, okay, you're going to have Manny Diaz, the coach of Miami <laughs> on. And I had absolutely no idea what to say to him. I knew nothing about Manny Diaz, but that also shows how versatile you are at it. Well, let me switch to college football in specific, because I don't think there's anybody outside of the people who are going to make these decisions that knows more about where we're headed or where we might be headed than you. So let me start with this on you know this is june the what ninth do you think we start college football on time i do um and i I think we we do because the people that run college football are so determined to to get it off the ground um and you you watch the same shift that we've all seen from maybe in uh, early april to season in jeopardy to who knows what it's going to look like to Hey, we're playing. Uh, I, I think I think you know to use a Wall Street phrase. I think it is too big to fail, and mm. uh, you have many elements there. But uh, I, I think we'll start on time. I think it's going to be an incredibly strange season to watch uh, because I, I think there will be interruptions, uh, potential interruptions. I think there are going to be some t- some some school presidents that at some point say, you know what, I've had enough of this. Um, but uh, ultimately, I think we'll we'll see it. We'll see it. it, it 
we'll see it unfold. And I, I but I do, I do have some questions though. Uh, and I really do wonder what's going to happen when certain places uh, do not handle the, the virus well. Well, let's talk about what, what are some of those questions? I mean, for me, one of the questions is, what do you do when a player gets it? And maybe a bigger, because that's going to happen. I mean, it's already happened in some of these places. But more importantly, what do you do when a player gets it and gets really sick? Because that's probably going to happen somewhere too. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Because, I, I mean, I, I, I love everyone talking about protocol. Um, and this is how we're doing it right now. I, I mean, nothing's happened yet. Uh, I mean, the players are, I mean, these are voluntary workouts. Uh, you know, you can wink and a nod on that, but that's really all we have right now. And, and I think this is a dry run, Matt, uh, to see, you know, how, how do you do it? Um, but the, the big moment is going to come when, when there is fear out there. Uh, and, and I think that's going to be the subset of, of the fall is, is how will certain schools handle it? And, and I think ultimately for all the athletic directors who have spoken out and all the college coaches, the presidents are going to rule because they have the ultimate responsibility of what happens on that campus. And, uh, you know, you and I both know a number of them and they, they care about the, the financial money from athletics uh, and they, they're all, they're all in, but they're also uh, ultimately responsible for, for life and death on that campus. And, and I think most of the ones I know, are going to uh, react intelligently versus, uh, you know, uh, from a standpoint of, well, this is going to hurt the football program. Do you get a sense that the con- – all right, let's just take the SEC in particular – that the conference will make unified decisions? And what I mean by that is let's just take the issue of how many people are going to be in the stands. I think if Alabama and the Alabama governor were to make that decision independently, they would reach a different decision than Kentucky and the Kentucky governor would reach. Do you think the conference will come to those decisions collectively or will they allow universities their own leeway uh, on such things? I think for the most part, uh, they'll try to move in concert with with each other. And, you know, you've heard every commissioner say the first call in the morning is the is the Zoom call with the other conference commissioners. So I, I think that will last, but I, but I think within the conferences, you're going to see outliers. I mean, we already heard the warning from the Michigan president. Uh, there are other ones out there. I don't think you can control that. But but I think the conferences are all going to try to uh, to, to get started. Now, the one thing we don't know, uh, I mean, we as you mentioned, it's uh, second, we're in the second week of June. Uh, my concern is that, too many people just act like this, this, uh, this virus is, is over. It's not. And, you know, you see the same numbers I do. And, and, and I don't know what's going to happen uh, in, in two months. I mean, you have to presume it's going to be a lot better, but you, you also have to wonder, you know, it, why, why it's going to be better considering everyone's out and about again. Yeah, I saw a thing in the New York Times this morning that said they, they interviewed 500 epidemiologists and they asked them, how long would it take you to do X? You know, go to a restaurant, go to church, blah, blah, blah. And the, the question of go to a sporting event, which by the way, of the 20 things they asked was the thing the epidemiologist said they'd go to last. Right. Only 6% of the 500 said they would go to a game this fall. That's, that was very striking to me. I mean, I, you know, what, I don't think most fans feel that way, but presumably some decision makers will, 
talk to people who feel this way. What do you, what do you think that means? Yeah, I, I think it means that people uh, forget what, 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 what people say on, on your show and mine. Uh, a lot of people are very concerned. And, and they should be. Uh, I mean, I haven't gone very many places, but when I, when I walk in someplace uh, wearing a mask, I look around and go, why, 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 why am I the only one with a mask? Um, yeah. and, and, you know, that's a whole nother issue. But uh, I, I don't know. I mean, last fall, Matt, I, I was gone five nights a week to New York, to SEC town, to, to Connecticut. Like, I, mean, I, I don't know if I don't know if I'm going anywhere this fall. Do you? I mean, it's it's hard to predict. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's okay. So I've been I was in Kentucky for most of this time, and then I've been in New York these last couple of weeks with my girlfriend. And just the difference in culture in these two places in Kentucky, you go to a store, maybe one or two people have a mask on. In New York, you go on the street, and most people have a mask. Right. And in stores, everyone has a mask. I wonder how you can have a uniform set of guidelines for a country that is still way apart from each other on some of these social things. And at, at the end of the, this conversation, uh, it, you know, what I hear every day and what you hear is the undertones of politics um, that this isn't so much about safety or, uh, or, 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 being arrogant, it, it's about, you know, what, what political ideology do you subscribe to? And most people are getting their information from wherever they uh, subscribe. And, and that, I mean, I, I, hear, I hear the talking points as you do every single day on the program. Uh, and, you know, I, I think this is gonna, going to get worse because the closer we get to uh, the first Tuesday in, in November, the more heated it will get. Yeah, and you know, college football, Let's be real. I mean, people can say stick to sports all they want, but college football is a big part of that. I mean, you know, the president's gone to a number of college football games, sure. I think, because he knows that the, especially in the SEC, that's a base for him. And I think he knows that's, that's the one sporting event he can go to and get cheered. And I, and, and so I do think that's going to play a part of it. Let me switch then to sort of the, the protests that have been going on. Pro football, Roger Goodell seemed to suggest a switch in how the NFL is going to look at it. Do you think there will be SEC football players that, for instance, try will kneel during the national anthem or will do some sort of protest? We didn't really see that three years ago. Do you think we'll see it now? Yeah, I think it depends on the individual schools on how they do it. Uh, and, and, and because I, I, a couple of years ago, we went down this road and a lot of schools do not, stay, do not bring their teams out. Uh, the ones that, that do, and, and I really don't know offhand, um, I think you will see it. Uh, yeah, I've never, you know, you, you think you've seen everything in this country um, and growing up uh, as a teenager in the early 70s, uh, as a kid in the 60s, uh, you know, I, I've had a decent view of, of the civil rights struggle, especially living in the South. But what's happened lately has been extraordinary. Uh, and I really like what I'm seeing in reaction to the athletes speaking out. They have a power they've never enjoyed before. Uh, I think it's a matter of uh, whether, you know, you know, you know where, where, where does the resistance come? And I know right now everyone is, is saying the right things, but we're not, uh, you know, we're not into the season yet. 
but 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 I, I do think it's going to be a big part of it. Um, and I, I you know I, I think the coaches are, are are somewhat awkwardly trying to do whatever they can to to look good. But Matt, how do they really feel? Is the question. Well, I, I that's my question. Let's let's talk about the awkward coaches. So in Lexington, Mark Stoops last Friday got his entire team in downtown, and they all wore Black Lives Matter shirts and marched down the road, including him. I mean, I got to tell you, Paul, I thought that was a pretty gutsy thing for Mark Stoops to do in Kentucky. But even though it was gutsy in Kentucky, it would be even gutsier to do it in Alabama, Mississippi, whatever. Then you have Dabo Sweeney, who I don't know what he does exactly, from wearing that weird football matter shirt to his 14-minute video. What do you think of those, what I would call almost the two extreme reactions? And then where is someone like Nick Saban or Gus Malzahn on that continuum? Yeah, I mean, I think everyone has done what they have to do. I, I was really struck last night. I was talking to uh, Sam Pittman, the Arkansas coach. And he said, uh, I, I went to a Black Lives Matter protest last week, and it was the first time anybody had heard him say it because uh, he does not look like a guy that really feels comfortable talking about things other than college football. Uh, by the way, and that's most college coaches, okay? That's not just one. And I don't know where Saban is. I mean, Malzahn's already been seen with players. I think Saban uh, has, you know, is, is tiptoeing around this, so to speak. I mean, yeah, he issued a statement, but, but I'm not sure he really knows what to do. Um, although his past would indicate to me that he wouldn't be afraid of doing it. Uh, mm -hmm. He has been, uh, I think he's been, for, college, for a college football coach, I think he's been way out in front over his career. What about Dabo? I mean, I, 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 let me just say, as a, as a starting point, I've always kind of thought he was a cheese ball. I, I, I always hate when he takes the sort, because he's clearly a very smart guy. And when he takes the dumb, like, I've never even seen this before. Like, he does that every time he doesn't want to talk about something. I always sort of mock it because I find him to be, I don't, I don't find him to be a fraud, but I find him to be a little phony. And it feels like he has handled this really weird and strange. What's your take on how he's navigated yeah. these waters? I have had more trouble with this issue. Last night, I, I went on uh, ESPN right after the statement came, was released. And, and again, I, uh, in all candor, I saw a couple of snippets. I mean, I, I was doing a show, so I couldn't watch all 14 minutes. And, and, I, and I gave a very visceral reaction to it. It made me angry that it seemed like he was trying to pull something over. And then I watched the whole thing. And I don't know if I was just numb by the end of it, Matt. <laughs> I, I came away thinking that he was trying to do the right thing, as crazy as that sounds. Um, that he, he that in some ways, I think he was just trying to protect his coach. Um, and I know that coach, and and I don't know him well enough to to even offer an opinion because I wasn't there, and you weren't either. And you know, Dabo's Dabo's explanation, uh, you know left a lot to be desired, but I, I didn't think there was malice in it. I think he was just trying to, 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 you know, conflate a situation that, that probably happens on a lot of practice fields that we're only now beginning to hear about. Well, that's eye opening um, to me. I mean, that, I don't know about you. I, I, maybe it's not eye opening to you, but in a week we found out Utah defensive coordinator, Iowa strength coach, Clemson coach, that feels like a lot to say the N-word, which I thought everyone had agreed a long time ago was like just a no-go. We've had three come out in a few days. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree. Uh, I mean, it, it, that, I was originally stunned when I, when I heard about this, but, but I, maybe I shouldn't have been. And I just think, 
I think when you live in the South, uh, yeah, and this is a maybe an eye-opening moment for me as well. Uh, you 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 hear things, and you don't. You, you in in the past, you just haven't reacted. I mean, I, I I'm no better than anyone else. Uh, I've been accused of everything. I mean, I've given you know insensitive takes on things because that's what you do. Uh, I mean, you do it all the time. Um, but I, I know how I was how I was brought up, um, and I know how you were brought up. Um, so, so, and I'm, I'm, I'm questioning myself now, uh, about things that maybe I should have done more. Uh, you know, when I, when I've heard this around me, you know, uh, you know, what, what should I have done as a younger person? I mean, I know now there's, you know, it's, there's, it, there's, there's no conversation here, but, uh, you know, I mean, I never liked hearing it, uh, cause I was taught, uh, it was an abhorrent phrase, uh, and, uh, to never use it. And, and, and I can, you know, thankfully say I never have, uh, living in the South, uh, I don't know how many people can make that claim. Um, but you're right. Uh, the whole, I mean, back to Dabo and I got, I got about as sidetracked as, 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 as talking to you <laughs> as I did watching it. Um, he just, he just beats to his own drummer and, uh, you know, the, the, the atmosphere on Clemson is, 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 is utterly bizarre, but, uh, he keeps attracting great players. Yeah, it's it's strange. I guess I just felt like if these sort of most blatant things have come out, imagine what else is going on that's not as blatant, though that still is problematic. But I guess my question is, where does it go next? I mean, do you think when football starts, everything just goes to the side because we all care about football so much? Or is this going to continue to go through the season? And then similarly on the COVID stuff, how many people are going to be in the stands, do you think? You think there's going to be 10,000, 50,000, 100,000? What do you think? I think on the, uh, on, on the, on the player uh, social conversation, uh, I think it's going to keep going. Um, you know what's going to happen with the NFL. Uh, I mean, that's a, that, that's a fait accompli. Um, and, and I think players are going to continue to speak out and you're going to, you, you may not, it may not be every day, may not be every week, but you're going to get players who are, are reacting, um, on, on COVID. I, I think it's a story that, uh, will be different everywhere. Uh, you, you'll get just like we've seen in, in, in certain places in the country where, uh, you know, whether it's a church, whether it's a racetrack, um, people are going to defy, uh, local and state government. And, and I, I mean, I, the governor of Texas said the other day that uh, he wants 50% uh, occupancy in stadiums. I don't know. There's no way to do that um, based on everybody that, that, that I talk to and you talk to, but uh, somebody's going to try it. Uh, and I, and I, I think, well, do you think that'll down. be a local decision. I mean, do you think the SEC will say, okay, every state, if Texas lets you do 50% A&M, you can do that. Or do you think they'll say, let's just make a conference wide rule. I don't think the con. My gut feeling uh, is the conference is not going to try to legislate that. Okay. Um, I, I think that really is going to come down to where you live and and what's acceptable there. Do you think this will be? I mean, this is going to be a weird season. But like, let me just give an example for Kentucky. Kentucky plays at Auburn this year. Normally, you'd look at that game and go, "Well, Kentucky's not winning that game." I mean, they're playing on the road at Auburn, but it won't be the same at Auburn this no. year. You know, it's not going to be the same environment. Is this a year that you win games like that that normally you couldn't have? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a fact uh, that uh, that that a home. I mean, Vegas doesn't give home field, you know, three to seven points for nothing. Uh, 
you're not going to be able to have that. So I, I think, you know, a lot of those games that, that, that can, I mean, and by the way, is there a team that plays more of those games every year than Kentucky where whether it's Kentucky, South Carolina, Kentucky, Tennessee, uh, Kentucky, Mississippi, that you, you just never know. I mean, it's going to come down to the final possession. Uh, it, I think it could aid uh, a team on the road uh, more than it's ever before. Because, I mean, normally Auburn is – I would say Auburn's among the most difficult places in the, in the country to win. And, you know, if there are 25,000 people there, it's not going to make any difference. Let's talk about Kentucky for a second. I, Kentucky football fans get very frustrated because they feel like they still don't really get respect after now having gone to four straight bowl games, a 10-win <laughs> season. You know, and I, there, there is a part of me that every time I see a preseason ranking, it feels like they never take into account the last few years. After what they did last year where they win with Lynn Bowden running every time, do you feel like Mark Stoops and Kentucky are still underappreciated conference and nationwide? Yeah, I, I do. Um, and, and I, I mean, I can't tell you how many, how many days, Matt, I've walked into our show in uh, June, July, August. And I look down and there's two calls before the show even starts. And they, you, know, you have the name of the person, Frankfurt, Kentucky, Harlan, Kentucky, and the, and the tagline, how come Kentucky doesn't get any respect? So, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's automatic. And, and I, I just think sometimes, uh, you know, Mark Stoops is, is a relatively quiet coach. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll, I mean, people in the industry respect him. Uh, you know how I feel about him. I, I was kind of uh, on the Mark Stoops train before it was cool. Uh, never forget uh, whatever year it was, you could tell me sitting out there on a cold blustery day, um, in, in Lexington asking you, uh, it, you know, how big, a, how big a game is this for Mark Stoops tomorrow against Mississippi State? You said if he loses this game, I, th I think he's, he could get run out of here. And everyone agreed with you. That's how far the program has come. But uh, I think Kentucky will probably have to continue to do more. And I, I hate to even say that. It sounds like I'm hating. I'm not. Uh, I was there two years ago uh, for that epic November game against Florida when, uh, excuse me, uh, against Georgia. Uh, yeah. When I mean, that was, I mean, Kentucky football was the center of the universe uh, that morning. And it was cool, uh, but they didn't win. And I, and I think Kentucky's eventually going to have to knock that door down uh, before people stop and go, you know what, uh, maybe we should give them a little more respect. Yeah, I mean, I don't expect people to put them in the conversation with Alabama, Georgia, LSU, because they don't deserve that. I just don't understand how every single year people still pick South Carolina, Missouri, and Mississippi State to beat Kentucky no, when I, Kentucky wins those games most of the time now. It, you just, it's almost like you just get used to things. Um and people do not change their opinions easily. Uh, you know, it's, it, on the other hand, uh, I, I mean, why is, why is Kentucky always number one in basketball, Matt? I mean, it's just uh, – I mean, but it's we almost the reverse. We, Paul, we earn that. Well, we win but, the conference almost every year or come in second. No, but I'm, I'm talking about, you know, nationally. Um, it's just yeah, – it's like, true. you know, when you start doing – you know, if you get, say, okay, who do you like this year in basketball? Kentucky. Um, it, it's almost the exact opposite. Um, in basketball as it is in football. And I, I don't think right now, uh, I mean, my advice to Kentucky fans is, you know, quit, quit being angry. I don't, I don't say that uh, disrespectfully. Uh, you, you've earned enough respect that you don't have to ask for it. 
Well, I actually think that's fair enough. You know, it's interesting. You go back to that Mississippi State game. It goes to show you how the margin between success and failure kind of at the periphery like that can be so thin. Austin McGinnis has a 48-yard kick to end the game. Right. He makes it. If he misses it, Mark Stoops might have been fired. He makes it, and two years later they win 10 games. Do you think that happens a lot, that like a little thing here and there where there's a lot of randomness can be the difference between success and failure for a coach or a program? It can be that uh, that narrow. And it also something that, that Mark Stoops had that a lot of people don't have, and that's two intelligent, thoughtful, reasonable bosses. And what I mean by that is I'm talking about Mitch Barnhart and the president, Eli Capaluda, who I've known uh, since my Birmingham days. And I think he had – he had two people in, in, you know, behind him, and, and they didn't they didn't stick with him like other schools like South Carolina stuck with uh, Muschamp because of money. They they believed in him because they saw what he was doing, and they 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 saw how that program had been built up, and and all the uh, all the extraneous things that that the fans don't see but but do matter the, the facilities. So I, I think I think it's a combination of that. Yeah, but had he lost that game, I, I'm not I'm not even sure. Uh, the two people I just mentioned uh, could have saved him. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, they ended up then upsetting Louisville, but I'm not sure if they upset Louisville if they had lost that game uh, to Mississippi State. Well, before I let you go, let's just talk a little bit about the sport of college football in general. Now that name likeness is likely going to be something that happens where people, where kids can own their likeness and they can make money from it, I tend to think about it more on the basketball side because I think there will be more opportunities for more players in basketball because people at the schools like Kentucky know those guys. Talk to me about how you think it happens in football. How many guys on Alabama's roster will have endorsement deals? I think it will be pretty narrow. Uh, you know, basketball is a little easier, I think, to, to figure out. But football, I think it will be very random. Uh, it will be the you know, one or two big names. And, and I think that's going to be it. Uh, I, I mean, I, I think some, you know, you may see some like, gymnastics or, uh, you know, somebody from other sports who are able to, to capitalize on it. But, but I, I mean, football is about a handful of players. Uh, with all due respect, I don't see the offensive line uh, getting a lot of endorsement deals, do you? No, and I agree with you. I actually think women's sports, some of those players – will have real opportunity. Gymnastics is a great call. Women's basketball, women's softball. I actually think that there's a lot of those players that can make some money. Do you think coaches are scared of it? I think coaches are scared of pretty much anything uh, that infringes on their absolute uh, authority. So, yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, that, that's why, you know, I, I mean, even for somebody that has seen all that I've seen and, uh, you know, to get them to my age, I mean, I'm all for young people taking over. I mean, I'm, uh, I was a rebel at heart uh, in, in high school and college, and uh, that hasn't changed over these many, many years. And, uh, I mean, I think, I think college coaches have, have ruled programs uh, like tyrants for too long. And uh, that's why I think the, the NIL situation is so great. And I think uh, even greater is, uh, is, is, the, is, the, is the, uh, the voice being heard right now uh, in, this social, uh, in, this, in the social justice conversation. Last question. Who, for people like me who still, who are going to have to start preparing for college football season nationally, Paul Fine, who are the early favorites in your mind to uh, play for the championship? Yeah, whenever I say what I'm about to say, people just 
uh, go, oh, yeah, right. But but I do believe Alabama is going to be the best team uh, from the SEC. Even with Mac in. Jones as the quarterback? Yeah, even with Mac Jones, because they are so good everywhere else. And on top of that, uh, the backup quarterback is only the number one high school player in the country last year, Bryce Young, coming from California. And, you know, he missing spring hurts him a little bit. But, but they are loaded. Um, schedule is favorable to a degree. I mean, they do go to Baton Rouge, but uh, they have Auburn uh, at home which, and Georgia at home. Uh, so, I mean, I, and they, they're, they're in pretty good shape. I, I think beyond that, it's, it's the usual suspects. Uh, I think nationally it's Ohio State and Clemson and, uh, you, know, may, you know, maybe another SEC team, maybe not. But uh, I, I, think, I, I don't think a whole lot has changed in college football. So my listeners will get mad at me if I don't ask, do you think I'll ever get to come on your show again? And we reunite on that one, on those wonderful airwaves. Yeah. Well, what I'm about to say is off the record. Uh, so uh, don't quote <laughs> me on this, but uh, I, I think, I think the host of this podcast, Matt Jones knows how I feel about him being on our show. Um, he's one of the most popular guests and as crazy as this next statement will be. I'm not even sure why you're no longer on this show, um, uh, but uh, you, you're not. Uh, and you might offer more than I can because I, I sometimes when, when, when I realize you can't, you can't come on the show, I really don't even know why. I don't know why either. I mean, I, I know what it was like two or three years ago, but that feels like a long time ago. Yeah. And I, I, don't, I, mean, know, no, I, don't, I don't really nobody, get it. Nobody in the history of the show has ever gotten in more trouble uh, than you on our program. I, I don't know how many times you've been sent to time out, but um, the other thing I, I don't one, know is who even who even decides. Like I, I, I sat with Greg Sankey at the at the SEC tournament, and he came on my show for like thirty minutes and talked about canceling terms. Great, and uh, that's right. That's a Greg Sankey, or Mike Slide. Um, what did I say? I, you know, I, Matt, I, I think there, you know, if you go back to the uh, the Wizard of Oz, I, I think there's a wizard behind the curtain who just <laughs> well, doesn't you like know, it. Let me know who it is. I, I, it was, uh, it is what it is. But I, I think we I need, I, I think we, we need more t-shirts though, uh, you know, trying to get <laughs> Matt, Matt Jones back on the Fine Bomb Show. It's hard. I will say this. It's harder to get back on the Fine Bomb Show than to get over my fights with Mitch McConnell. That was an easier fight than actually the Paul Fine Bomb fight is, oddly. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, by the way, I think Mitch McConnell is allowed on the show, and you're not. <laughs> That's unfortunate. Well, seriously, <laughs> let me let me say, I say, I've said this to you privately, I'll say it publicly. Uh, everything I've done in terms of the radio side, you've been a great uh, sort of mentor, and also you've always been kind and considerate and given me opportunities when you're allowed to. And I just want to thank you, and I appreciate you taking the time today. Matt, it was my pleasure. And uh, free, free Matt Jones. There you go.